Welcome to Crossroads. My name is Dion. Um, thank you for joining us today. If you are a guest with us, we just appreciate you coming and hanging out and spending some time with us. We do have a gift for you back at the Connections counter. That's also the location of all things knowledgeable. Miss um, Susan would love to help you out if you have any questions about anything uh, that we do here at the church, what's going on. And to kind of also just let you know what's going on, I'm going to start us off with uh, just letting you all know that today, I know many of you know exactly what an ask it is, and for some of you, this may be your first time. So um, about every quarter or so, we have the opportunity of doing a message called an ask it, and really what we're doing is we're answering questions that you have sent in. And so we have a whole list of questions, but I also just want to let you know, too, that the, a lot of our questions come in through the church text phone, which I have right here. Um, the text number is 760-301-4840. This will be one of those times I will tell all of you, go ahead and pull your cell phone out in church. <laughs> it's okay today, because as we're moving along, if you have any questions... Somebody's calling, but I'm not answering. <laughs> if you have any questions as we're moving along that you would like to um, have us ask, just go ahead and text it in because as, as questions come in, um, we'll be able to answer them. But I will give you a heads up. A lot of times we don't have enough time to answer all of the questions. So be patient because what we can do is we can either add them in for the next ask it or we can address them on a Saturday night when we have our question and answer period afterwards. So that's what we're doing today. So if this is your first time with an ask it, you are in for a treat. Just a reminder, our study guide for the next series is available. Uh, we offer a study guide, which is a daily guided reading question and answer guide that help that goes along with the messages and the series that we're doing. So you can work on uh, digging a little deeper the week before and in preparation for the message that's coming up. We have a new one out because starting next weekend, we are going to be learning about the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever given, and the Beatitudes. Um, how Jesus was so incredibly countercultural in his day, and he still is now and how we can take that into our lives. So study guides are available at the back. Um, you can pick one up if you haven't already. Uh, and I think that's it. So I will just ask if you would please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the day. Um, thank you for bringing us here and allowing us to just be together, to be able to ask questions. You are a God who is not afraid of our questions, and we thank you so much that you do give us the answers. And so we look forward to what you have for us today. Um, we're eager to hear from you. And uh, just, again, we thank you for this time. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, you may have noticed something different. Somebody here is not here. But he is here. There he is. <laughs> I'm going to let Bill explain the situation. The situation is... Uh... I wish I was there, but I'm here. Uh, for the last nine months, I've had a leg infection that's been very painful. Uh, I went into the hospital over a week ago, a week and a half ago, and they did surgery on it. So they're repairing it. Uh, beautiful job, wonderful place to be down there. Uh, but 
got this right now I'm having have an iPhone take to a IV pole which I use for infusions. So they keep me pretty close. Uh, I've got three or four handlers that don't let me get out of control. Uh, but I'm excited about today. So and taking on the questions. Uh, I want to thank everyone by the way for the calls, the cards, the all the things that you do just to show up. Thank you. All right. Thank you, sir. Okay. So I'm so proud of us for like sliding into the 21st century like this a few minutes late, but here we are. <laughs> here we are. So we're, we're making the best of it. Um, okay. So I'm going to get us started. You guys are already sending in questions. So I'm loving this. Um, okay. Ooh, these are fantastic. Okay. You ready? I don't know if I should pitch you a hardball or a softball. Hard. Wow. Somebody here has no mercy. <laughs> it was Chuck. And so, <laughs> the second person with no mercy. You just got called out, man. Okay, here we go. Um, all right. First one. How do you confront a Christian who continues to judge people? You know, I always get the challenge here is always the challenge when we're dealing with those who call themselves a brother or sister. Uh, simply, first off, uh, in a relationship, it, don't do a drive-by scripture shooting. Uh, sit, I like get it. to know them, talk to them, know and understand something in their life in their background. Uh, also, if you do that, encourage them in just their basic understanding and their walk with Christ. Uh, but at some point, if you establish that they are a Christ follower, and they're missing the mark uh, for whatever reason it might be. Uh, one of the verses that I use, or words that I use, is that if I'm talking to someone in there, they won't forgive an uncle, a father, uh, they won't forgive God. They, they won't, you know, there's a certain place where they draw the line and they choose to, choose to put themselves in sinful situations. My question typically to them is, where do you find that in the Bible? If you're a Christ follower, where do you find the support for that in God's Word? Normally that starts a either immediate walls up, defensive, moving away, who are you to judge me, uh, kind of a conversation. But to a biblical follower of Christ, it will be uh, like when David was confronted by Nathan, he broke and just admitted his sin, straight out. So the first thing is to lovingly come, come alongside them, perceive the situation, present scripture accurately that, you know, pertains to that situation. Uh, and then if they accept that, Matthew 18, 15 will tell you, you have now won your brother. If, if they say, if, no, I don't agree with that, then say, well, who will you listen to who's a biblical Christian? And Matthew 18 will tell you to have a meeting with people they will trust, open the Bible, and go to the same verses, and, and look for a rational approach. But Matthew 18 does go on. If they're unable, and they're calling themselves Christians, they're embedded in a Christian church, but living an obviously sinful attitude in life, it does ask the church, put them aside, out of, take them out of leadership positions, 
uh, those kind of positions that are visible because they're advertising themselves as biblical Christian, but not living as one. Uh, and then, but with open arms, be ready to bring them back. Uh, I think that's the context of Paul doing that in Corinthians 1 and 2. I think that's my best shot to him. Okay. Um, so, so you're talking Christian, Christian to Christian or, so, or somebody who calls themselves a Christian. Um, they don't give an indication here, but what about the scenario where maybe it's a Christian who is judging a non-Christian? How does that change things? Knock it off. <laughs> okay. And, and the, approach, the approach to a non-Christian is never, never to approach them with their sin. Approach them with the love of God and the death of Christ through the sins uh, they've committed. Okay. Um, yeah, because I think we have to, and, and so that's where, for me, the question is, was a little bit, how do we, how are we looking at that? Because a lot of times, a Christian, I've found, sometimes they will say, hold me accountable, but then when we do, um, you kind of get your face ripped off. Um, <laughs> but we are, we're, we are to help hold each other accountable, because Galatians 6 tells us that that we are to bear one another's burdens, but that those who are spiritual are to restore somebody in a spirit of gentleness. So it has to be done with love, like Bill said, gentleness, not judging, not condemning, but hey, how can we help type of a thing. You're smiling. <laughs> like, what's up? Okay, um, here's another good one. For those who have passed away already, have they faced judgment, or are they going to be judged with everyone else on earth when Christ returns? Okay, that's the news. For Christians, uh, there is no judgment for Christians. We have, we have passed out of judgment into life. Uh, if we're a Christ follower, every one of our sins has been nailed to the cross of Christ. We have now received inside of ourselves the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So there is no sin, there is no judgment. All of our, they're totally removed and paid for by Jesus Christ. And then so when we leave this body, we go into his presence. That is really good news. Now, if a person uh, does not accept Christ, the first face he's going to see is Jesus Christ. When he leaves this earth, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. He will, at that time, he can go either way, but after that, uh, he can be put into a, a hell situation, a, a punishment situation, but for sure at the end of the great white sea judgment throne, uh, at the end of the book of Revelation, every sinner from every age, from every place, out of the sea, out of the ground, will stand and that will be the final judgment that they will face and it will be about their, their choice to not accept God's gracious offer uh, of salvation through Christ. Okay. I think that explains it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> talk right away. If, if you don't talk right away, I'm going to keep going. Oh, 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 okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so next. Here's, here's an interesting one. Um, does Satan give dreams? I had one that I think was from God, but didn't know if Satan can mimic God's dreams. Satan is the God of this world. He is able to move, to tempt, 
to do anything and everything that he can to enter in to our uh, to our lives. Now this is very important. That this is why Christians daily have to be in the Word, uh, sitting in front of Christ, learning and keeping. They talk about putting our full armor on, the full armor of God. Uh, Ephesians six, you know, put on the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the sword of the Word. Put all that stuff on. Now, the question, the big point, don't take it off. It's nice to repeat it daily, but you you are armored up when that takes place. Uh, you let, I, I mentioned this last night, the questions. If you don't forgive someone, you're inviting, you're inviting Satan into your life. He can come into your dreams. He can come into your relationships. He, he comes into our minds and thoughts. Uh, that we certainly don't want to have. So, yes, she's still out there. Okay. Um, I, I, can I get awkward for a minute? Can I stop you? <laughs> Currently, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can upload me. You can upload me. I, I could. I could, right? Um, okay, so... I, if I could, if I could just ask, because this makes me think of, I, I don't know if a person is asking this or not, but um, to say that can Satan give a dream that will mimic a dream that God would give? I, you know, there, there's like obviously different levels. There's weird random dreams that you know I ate Chinese food last night, so I had a weird dream. Um, there's inappropriate dreams. There's demonic dreams. Um, if so, how do we know which is which is which, where it's coming from? You know, the, the answer is simple in, in, in one context is you have to open the word and ask God. It says, Search me and know my heart, know my ways. God was fully aware, is fully aware, and the Holy Spirit is fully aware of every dream, thought, idea, uh, intention. It's never gone through our mind, through our soul, even in our subconscious. God is aware of us levels that we can't even understand. Uh, so when when we get inappropriate dreams, I, yeah, this is what I'm saying. Lord, is there anything that I'm doing that opens the door to Satan, his entry into my life? If I wake up and I'm angry at someone, you go, Lord, it's in the dream. Dreams are tricky wickets. And, uh, some regional psychologists have used it as foundation for finding out different things. Uh, even recently, a very famous and popular, one of the most popular daily devotionals that are out there, uh, the author felt that she was having dreams from, from God, and so she wrote this daily devotional, which in the most part, which is the way Satan works, is very good, but some of it's very unbiblical. So, yes, our dreams can be an avenue for God or Satan. We need to discern that. Okay, cool. All right, so thank you. So basically, be patient, write it down, look at the Bible, and let God... Okay, awesome. Um, okay, so this question says... <laughs> you guys did such a fantastic job. Why am I accountable for my sin even though I didn't ask to be created? That got a crowd reaction. I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> yeah. 
The thing is that we are all created in the image of God, but we are fallen individuals. Uh, from Adam on, some people say, well, Adam ate the apple. I didn't. Uh, but the truth is that everyone eats the apple. We all sin. We all turn away from God and all that. Now, the choice of, and this is going to sound rude, but if you get in God's face and start saying, well, why did you, why did, why did you create me out? There's a many, there's two places in the Bible, at least three, that says the potter is the God, and we're the clay. He forms us the way he wants to be able to form us. Uh, so when one of the verses ends up, why did you make me this way? And it says, you're stupid, is the translation. So turning around and asking God a confrontive question that doesn't acknowledge the sovereignty, his love, and his plan uh, to be able to redeem any life in any situation, then why did he make us? He knows. Why did he make us the way we are? Why did he put, why am I bald? By the way, I'm finding hairs growing down here. I didn't know that. Uh, it's the hospital. I think you should let it grow out. Everybody thinks you should let it grow out. Ah, there you go. <laughs> um, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, it so okay. So it makes me think, and so correct me if I'm wrong. For me. A lot of time as a parent, um, the parent-child relationship is the one, sometimes one of the best ways I can understand the relationship between us and God. You know, I mean, I think, there, I think he intended that. But to me, it would be like saying our children don't have to be accountable for their sin because they didn't ask to be created. So, you know... On a, on a just a human level, we know that that's not logical. So, and then of course there's the whole like you obviously you use the scripture of you know can the clay say to the potter, why did you make me this way? Um, By the way, Dan, yeah. Before you get off that, I, I don't remember really catch up. If you if you got work, but this is one of the arguments today, and, and I recommend this. I did it myself personally last week. You go to Psalms 139. Start at the beginning and just walk your way through it. Mm -hmm. uh, Psalms 39 is, is this, this creation psalm. Each person is created in the likeness of God for God's plans, for God's purposes in this world. Uh, once you disconnect, a person that disconnects the existence, the love, and the power of God in creation, uh, we get all sorts of wackadoodle ideas. Right, right. Very wackadoodle. Okay. And, and, well, I, I'm sorry to go back to it. You're fine. Because there are people, you ask a question like that, people start to consider suicide and ending their life and blaming God for that or other people for that. Yeah. Uh, and he's the only innocent guy in the room. So it's a very slippery path to bring you to a situation of dismal depression uh, and hopelessness. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank yeah, you. absolutely. No, I mean, um, that's a good point because I think there's, so the part of an additional question to that um, is, am I still saved if I feel like I don't love God? 
Well, you're describing, as you know, and many people that are listening, there are ultimate, there, there are very different kinds of love that are talked about in the Bible. There is a phileo love, a friendship love, there's uh, eros love, there's a romantic love, but then again there's a agape love. Uh, uh, this is a, a love that God has that is unconditional, it has no foundation other than it comes from the nature of God, and we're loved. And so, uh, there's, there's times when, uh, this is going to be shocking, that my wife may not have felt really sparky love toward me. <laughs> but my wife loves me. Mm -hmm. uh, so that look, we run in a culture of feelings, which uh, is sad, but there's a foundational truth of love, whether it's from God, it's from spouse, uh, it, relationships that we have. Right. Different kind of love. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like you said, we're, our culture is so feelings-focused that if we're relying on feelings to be an indicator that we love or are successfully loving God, um, we're actually kind of, we're deceiving ourselves. And, and it's easy to do because I think we naturally think you have to f have loving feelings all the time. Well, that just doesn't always happen. It's, it, would you say it's f being faithful and obedience is, and that as you practice that, the feelings will come. I, oh, oh, you're trained. Facts, faith, follow feelings. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> okay. All righty. Um, what is the line between protecting yourself and not forgiving someone? If someone hurts you, you should forgive them, but are you supposed to forget that they hurt you and allow it to happen again? How do you protect yourself while also forgiving? You know, we, this is a real common question. Uh, because it happens to all of us, the ability to protect ourselves, they call it putting up boundaries, is just, is, uh, I don't want to enable someone to continue to sin that hurts them. In other words, if I'm, if I, if I'm in a situation where I'm being abused, and uh, I, I see it, and the other person is indulging themselves in it, uh, and continuing to act in such a way that is that is hurtful. But the most thing, if I start focusing on the hurt to me, then I want to respond in reactionary, uh, at the fight, and watch out that I don't get angry, that I don't seek revenge. If, if I understand the damage that's being done to them, then we, we can be in a much better place. Because if you stop and think that's the position Christ is in, he sits back and he understands where we're coming from. He knows where we're coming from. But again, he certainly puts up boundaries uh, inside of his church, inside of uh, relationships, that lines that just can't be crossed. This is obviously, and a good place to study this is 1 Corinthians 7. There's always a path to reconciliation. And again, it depends if the, and it says if they're a non-believer, uh, then you, you treat them as that, and if physical safety, uh, you may have to remove yourself, but always leave this, I'm not canceling you. I am, I am protecting you. We're putting you in a situation where there may be legal ramifications, where the kids are being damaged. That has to take place. So, no, we don't, we don't sit in those situations. Now, let me say it another way. And much more important, 
is the word abuse in our culture today has been so abused <laughs> just by everything that happens across the way you look of anything else. And it's, they think everything's abuse. Uh, we're so tender to our personal image, feelings, uh, and self-esteem that we just react uh, to anything that, that may cause that. So real abuse, we need to talk about. So mm -hmm. talk to someone, uh, not about the other person, not in the gossip situation, but get counsel and wisdom first from the word and then from other people before we blow the abuse whistle. Uh, and when you do have to put up a boundary, make sure that it is not a self-defense wall. It can't be breached. You're protecting them from situations to cause damage. All right. Okay. Well said. Thank you. Um, okay. So <laughs> last night, you know, we were talking about personal Jesus. And I know that that is something that we've, we've you know, often refer to, you know, who, who are we following? What, who, what Jesus are we following? So the question came in, if you'd explain the difference between my Jesus and the real Jesus. Lies. Lies. Okay. Lies we tell ourselves. Most of the, I've never, I don't think you oversize or supersize Jesus beyond who and what he is. Uh, we, we, we diminish his size, his love, and his potential. The, the real Jesus that, that is not our personal Jesus, that real Jesus is defined by Jesus. And he lived a life of holiness, of teaching, uh, of compassion to other people. That's the real Jesus. And he put an exclamation point at the end. It's called the cross. That's the exclamation point. Uh, to the real Jesus. Now, when we're worried about our self-image, have we been crucified with Christ? So it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in us. Uh, I'm so glad I get to use that verse today. Uh, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in us. So if we're worried about protecting the, the, the little me inside of that or uh, anything else, uh, we're dead. Now, does that make it easier to, to grapple? No, but it's the truth. When we focus on ourselves, we become self-absorbed, uh, and we will spiral down, uh, guaranteed. Okay. Um, on that note, uh, last night we, <laughs> we asked, the question came in, and I personally feel like because it's such a big subject right now, um, the, we should also ask the question today as well. Um, the question that came in surrounded the He Gets Us movement. Um, for you all who watched the Super Bowl this year and last year, the HeGetsUs.com is a Jesus movement. Um, how do we respond to that particular movement I think you did a great job last night. My, when we answered that, I encourage everyone to go uh, check out the website. But again, I'm, I want to do my, my personal Jesus. Some people have this personal Jesus that they call out, but it's, it's, it's a compassion Jesus. It's the social, social justice Jesus, where we, if someone's hurting, a me 
and, and comfort them. It was washing feet over and over again in, in the video that they showed in the mm -hmm. Super Bowl. And so, uh, by the way, that was a good game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but it was a, uh, this, this idea that we can solve other people's problems with kindness, whether it's uh, he gets you, no, Jesus gets us. The eyes of the Lord search our hearts. Uh, he weighs us. He knows us. No, he totally gets us. But that's not the problem. And we said again, the catchphrase is, do we get him? And again, last week I said, we're starting a series on Sermon on the Mount. If you want to get Jesus, that's a great place to start. Do the study guide, come to the service. Right. Um the so yeah like you said just encouraging to check the site itself because as christians we need to be we need to understand their mission and their their mission is not what it may seem and so please do the homework and do the research yourself in case that you um in case you have that conversation with somebody but uh, it also makes me think of, you know, the He Gets Us movement. And, you, you know, you mentioned that, the fact that He Gets Us. And I was trying to remember, because I don't remember. I know it's in Hebrews, and I don't remember if it's 5 or 12. But um, where it says that Jesus, as our high priest, can identify with us in, in every way. He understands us in our weaknesses. And so He does understand us as human beings. And the uh, fight against sin and trials and everything like that but we got to be careful when we say he gets us that what we're mean what we mean by that and live it out mm -hmm. he not only gets us he's walking with us every moment this is this is not a di long distance relationship right right um okay so let me see um one of the other questions that uh came up is regarding the apostasy. What is the apostasy? Is it happening now? And can it occur inside the church? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Okay. The <laughs> question answered. The, the apostasy, which uh, is just apostasy, is a blasphemy of God, a falling away from God. Uh, the, the world has been in full-on retreat uh, from serving the living God. And I, I can, I can, I'll mention a few in just a second. But we have chosen the lives of the God of this world. So apostasy is that. Now, the Bible describes a time when there will be a great apostasy. Second uh, Thessalonians 2 talks about this total falling away of the world. The world is falling away as fast as it can. It's being led by just some obvious things. Now, everyone, be sure to understand that if you're a if you're evolutionist, you are pardon me, you are endorsing apostasy because it is at 180 degrees out from the Bible. If you are a Maslow. Uh, if you are a psychiatrist, psychologist that says we're basically good people, or if you're just a person that says, well, I'm a good person, I don't sin, uh, I, I, I can go to heaven, that is apostasy. And I, I want to I use one example, which 
will probably stir 4,000 other questions. The world today, 50% of the world today and increasing is going into a situation where there is a specific group of people that we're saying we can eliminate, kill, and get rid of. That's the Jews. That is apostasy, not because they're God's people, but because they're people. And uh, so this, this movement, and by the way, that specific apostasy of the world gathering against Jerusalem, we talked about on our prophecy message at the beginning of the year. Uh, Zechariah 14 and Zechariah 12 talks about as the world, the battle of Armageddon, everyone comes up against Jerusalem to destroy it. And it says, I'm going to, I'm really going on a rare terror here, but it, it turns out in the uh, apostasy that it says all nations will be gathered against Jerusalem. Read the news, know the signs of the times that are taking place because that war that Israel is in is a righteous war of neighbors who came in, raped, burned. I can't even describe the atrocities. If you think men are basically good, you go read what they did to men, women, and babies. Uh, so just take a look at that. Uh, there's evil in the world. And by the way, that war has just started because when they finish with Hamas, they've got to go to Hezbollah up in Lebanon, and that will be the big war. And the nations will continue to turn against Israel. Okay, uh, that took a minute. <laughs> okay, uh, wait, what were we talking about? Apostasy. <laughs> um, okay, so two two things on that. One is about apostasy, and one is about um, anti-Semitism. Um, on the apostasy end of it, so you know, you're you're pretty cut and dried, obviously and rightly so, on that. Um, what about the apostasy of what's going on inside of churches where false doctrines are being taught and, and people are just kind of eating it up or, or they're turning from solid doctrine to a false doctrine, you know, where they're, I don't know, fluffy Jesus, prosperity gospel, whatever the case may be. Is that also a form of apostasy? Absolutely. And it, uh, again, I, everyone does not like these statistics, but 67% of the people in our country consider themselves Christian, name it, that's them, but only 2% understand biblical Christianity. There has, in the 65%, people are deceived and they've been taught false teaching, which is apostasy. It is not in alignment with the word of God and the spirit of God in most cases. So those churches which flourish in our town, like in every town, people should run from. Okay. Um, on the other end of the Dion, question, Dion, yes, Dion, can I do something? Yeah. If, if anyone listening in in the audience or somewhere out there in Cyberland, by the way, I like Cyberland. I'm here in my pajamas with my shirt on like this, so I'm looking good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to share that this comfort for you people who have watched church services for the last two years or three years in your pajamas. That you've now got a, you've got a fellow traveler with you going down <laughs> that road, but but we we live in in challenging ages in these areas and get your Jesus on and parents and again this is why I'm so thrilled about what's happening in so many areas inside of our church uh, through um, you know uh, April excuse me uh, 
I'm getting it. Uh, Amber? You know, Nick, Nick Amber, uh, the, the, the schools that we're running, the, mm -hmm. the uh, ones that are taking place inside of our church, mm -hmm. we're putting kids first, trying to protect them from the apostasy of the world that seeps in at them through the public education system, uh, the television, the cartoons that they're encouraged to watch. Uh, I guess I went off on that for a while. Thank you. <laughs> That's okay. Um, and that might have some to do or, you know, work its way into the next part of the question because you, you mentioned what's going on in Israel right now. Um, one of the questions is, why do you think people today don't see the anti-Semitism of current circumstances with that of Hitler and the atrocities of World War II? Well, the God of this world has blinded them. They're, we live in a woke, canceled culture. For, and I can't, I can't quote the exact date or anything else, but for 30 years, the world has been endorsing a BDS, a, a boycott, disinvest, and, and come up against Israel. And people said the, the United Nations is totally anti-Semitic. Uh, from the top to the bottom, and they even admit it. It's the United Nations uh, funds that were supporting Hamas as they built the rockets, got the, bought the bullets and the guns that went over and destroyed, and they're still doing it. Uh, daily, rockets are still being launched from Gaza into civilian areas and cities uh, inside of Israel. They're coming from the north, and they're coming from Gaza. Uh, so... I don't know that, but again, everyone should understand if Israel is the time clock, you want to know what's happening and how close Christ's return is, go look at Israel. Now this, there's, it, it can be like birth pangs. They can go through this. This is, remember, this is 1948, 1967, 1973, and multiple other times, by the way, where they've been attacked and they've responded. Uh, they're doing it again. Is this the one that's going to lead to a super peace treaty that the Antichrist negotiates? This is as close as I've seen. And when that's signed, we have seven years left mm -hmm. on this earth as we know it. Uh, so when that takes place, but this may not be it, it may recycle. But, but the birth pangs, everyone, men are not allowed to talk about birth pangs. <laughs> but, uh, they get more severe and more severe. Uh, we're pretty close right now mm -hmm. to multiple nations mentioned in Ezekiel 30. I read it again this week myself, uh, 37, 38, and 39, uh, the gathering of Israel back, the wars against them. Uh, it's that time. Yeah. 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 We're fast approaching hard labor. <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay, so that actually ties into one of the uh, one of the questions was, why do we as Christians live our lives so carefree as if Jesus Christ will not come at any second? Well, <laughs> first off, there's a, there's an assumption where I can insult everybody quickly. Uh, <laughs> when, when someone says we as Christians don't do something that God has told us to do you better question the first part of the statement. Mm -hmm. uh, as Christ's followers, from the day he rose and told his disciples, you be ready when you read the book of Revelation. This is what's next. 
this is just a short span of time. We need to live like Jesus can come uh, before donuts today. I know that will cause some problems at Crossroads. <laughs> <laughs> but that's our life. Their life is this eager anticipation that it's going to be painful, it's going to be ugly, but it's part of a plan that is so beautiful uh, when it unfolds in front of us. So when a, when a person that says, I'm a Christian, but I'm not really, it's this Jesus coming back and everything else, that's so out of the biblical pale, uh, I can't even understand. Mm -hmm. I can understand because I call myself a Christian for 33 years and, right. and lived in that delusion. Right. So uh, what does Jesus say in Matthew 24? Um, it will be like in the days of Noah where people will yeah. be, you know, marrying, being given in marriage, you know, basically living life as if nothing was happening, even though they heard, say, they saw a crazy man building a boat in the middle of a desert, okay? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and it took so long, and that's exactly what's happening now, is, you know, they take God's patience for granted. Um, what should we be, what should we be doing? I mean, I, sometimes I wonder if people are concerned that, we're supposed to like quit our job, you know, sell the house and start, you know, I don't know, going on missions like to Africa or whatever and running around preaching all the time. What does it look like on average? How should we be, what should we be doing while we're waiting? Well, first off, first off, we live in one of the most godless countries in the world. Missionaries from the majority of biblical Christians are in persecution, in jail cells, being tortured. Uh, in Africa, they're going into schools, Christian schools, and slaughtering everybody. So uh, as far as that is concerned, we should be supporting. We should uh, voice of the martyrs. Persecution.com is the website. Go look at it. Take out your checkbook, excuse me, your visa, uh, excuse me, your, your PayPal, and give them some money. Start praying for the, the Christians that are under persecution. But it started inside of this country. You better believe we're living in Disneyland right now, even though there's stuff coming down the road. Uh, yeah, get your get ready because this is just the beginning of a rocky ride. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, okay. Okay, so this is going to take a totally different turn. Um, I know. Are you ready? <laughs> Brace. Well, do, give me, again, I, I have no choice. Brace yourself. <laughs> Brace yourself. Okay, so a question came in regarding suicide in our nation, yeah. but specifically veteran suicide. Um, yeah. The rates are quite high, and so the question is this happening because we are waging unjust wars. I know God would never cause someone to commit suicide because he loves us. There is a difference between killing and murder, but on the battlefield, this line is blurred sometimes. Just wanted to hear your take on the matter. First off, our, again, I just have to, I have such respect for veterans. Amen. And uh, those who face bullets flying, uh, seeing people blown up next to them, uh, people there one minute and they're gone the next minute. Uh, 
War is horrendous. That's why it should be avoided at all costs. Uh, when we're put into those situations, now I'm going to get around to it in a minute, but when we're put into those situations, we have to process what our minds have seen uh, and have happened to us. Uh, first off, understand God is still allowing those wars. Uh, there, matter of fact, he's actually staging a war that's going to be the final war inside of our country. Uh, the, the pain of veterans, the PTSD, and these things, that's real. And the only, sorry, perfect love cast out fear. If we're in the next lessons we're going to be talking about, if we're focusing on the damage that's personally done to us, uh, that will cause us to spiral into the damage that's been done to us. If we focus on the damage that's been done to others and become part of a movement of supporting veterans as they're looking for housing, as they're doing the different things just to get them from point A to point B, but one of the best things, and this is for the vets speaking, I'm speaking to you, uh, if you need help, come in and talk. Uh, open your Bible, find Jesus Christ as the answer to comfort, peace, and tranquility, even in stressful situations when the triggers take place, you can turn to Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And, and as, as you do that and as you grow in that, be prepared to go help other veterans. Veterans, the phrase, hard to say, don't leave anyone behind. Get yourself on a foundation of Jesus Christ and go help a buddy who's still bogged down in that personal war on the inside. Don't make this all about you. Make it about Jesus Christ and taking him to other people. Let him heal you, then go tell others. Yeah. That's from one veteran to another. Yeah. Um, obviously, I, I can't speak to that personally, but one of the things that I do want to mention is that um, the, the material that we offer here, self-confrontation, I've shared a little bit in the past about what birthed that material. So self-confrontation is a an in-depth, biblical, they call it a discipleship course, but it's the material that we use for counseling here at the church, and it's offered through uh, the Biblical Counseling Foundation down in Indio. The history behind how that material came to be was one of the original teachers, um, Robert Schneider, he was, oh my gosh, I can't remember what he retired as his rank um, in the army, and so he was he was Vietnam War era, but he worked in the Pentagon. And the other gentleman who developed the material, John Broger, he they knew each other, and he worked in the Pentagon as well. The government at that time, now mind you, this is in the 70s, the government at that time began to notice that as men were coming home from the war, they were not integrating back into society well. They were having a very difficult time. And so they asked Broger to come up with a, um, a not a class or a course, but a, a path for the soldiers to be able to come home, heal, reintegrate, do all of this stuff. And what Broger told them 
is he said, I would be happy to do that as long as you allow it to be based on the Bible. It can be biblical only. And our government said, fine, go ahead. And so that's how that material started. It was for veterans. It has developed over the years, but it is a path to Christ. And it is that path of taking our eyes off of ourselves, not denying what happens in our lives, not denying the realities of anything, but it goes through everything. It, it teaches us who Christ is, the reason why we struggle in the, in the differences between man's way of handling things versus God's way of handling things, and then it goes into specifics. Sorry, I'm totally, I'm totally like hijacking. And <laughs> but it goes into specifics about anger, fear, worry, depression, um, you know, parenting, marriage. I mean, all of those specifics. And so I just share that with you guys because it's available to anybody. You can, you know. Uh, you can contact them on their website. We have the material here. If you're interested, if there's enough people interested, we can, you know, do do a class. But it is in depth. I mean, it it will it will dig into you. So um, it's just amazing, though. But yeah, I mean, thank you for sharing that, and thank you all. Can I just say, Bill and everybody else here who has served and who has struggled, thank you for your service and for the families who have also sacrificed. Because I have the utmost respect and love for all of you. So thank you guys. <clears throat> now I'm sad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, <laughs> all righty. Let me find a... Um, uh, here's one that likes your beard. Um, <laughs> okay. uh, well, <laughs> I think the general consensus, the general consensus is keep the, oh, 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 by the way, too, you were talking about, um, you know, a little bit, uh, a little bit ago, cancel culture, why everything is the way it is right now and how we've come to the place we will be. Another shameless plug, um, if you have not read the book, Awaken Alive to the Truth by John Cooper, the lead singer of Skillet. Uh, Christian rock band, absolutely recommend it. It is phenomenal. Yeah. He also has a new book out. It's a little more difficult to get a hold of, and you really need to strap your brain on for this one. It's called Wimpy, Weak, and Woke. But he's at it again, absolutely telling the truth about why we are where we are now um, and how to go through that. So that's an encouragement to get, to get into that too. Um, okay, why are there so many lukewarm Christians? is lack of godliness within ourselves, culture, or the world. Um, the Bible says we can either be hot or cold, no in-between. So why are there so many lukewarm Christians? Is that an oxymoron? It is. You've already, you already answered the question. Oh, okay. There's, there, there's only one brand of Christianity, and that is the way of the cross. Now, uh, that sounds fanatical. It sounds that. It sounds one way. But I didn't make those rules. I didn't make those statements. Jesus Christ did. He said, if you're going to follow me, you take up your cross and you follow me daily. If you try to hang on to any of it, lukewarm, uh, i.e., or but multiple ways too, then you can't follow him. It, it is this, this idea of a lukewarm Christian, as you call it an oxymoron, I, I call it Satan's lie that I can be a Christ follower and do it my way 
or do his way as much as it's comfortable with me. No, it's we're all in or we're not in at all. Mm -hmm. uh, that's God's promise and, and plan because being lukewarm, it says we're unstable in all of our ways, blown about by every wind of doctrine uh, that comes floating through and we go after it. So uh, there, I was just, I mean, Revelation, uh, lukewarm Christians, there's, that doesn't happen. Do we have slow seasons? Do we have seasons when we haven't heard God for a while? Is there is that kind of a reality that we live in? He doesn't show up in my family room every day, but he shows up in my heart every day. Keep the love alive. That I read Ephesians uh, in the in uh, letter to the Ephesians. Remember, if you've fallen from your first love, repent and do the deeds you did at first. Go back to the cross and see your sins nailed to that cross. Let that fire be alive. If just anyone is living or listening to this and, and your experience with Christ seems outdated, uh, my kids, when they came to the house to help me, they went through everything that was expired in our house and threw it out. <laughs> so we're really hungry over here. Uh, <laughs> but if... If there's an expert, we have to keep the love of Christ fresh. Uh, best way to do that is to go back, read Psalms 51, and recognize what God has done for us as sinners, and and be restored. Uh, yeah, leave it alone right there. It's basic Christianity 101. Okay. Um... I think we have time for one final short question. Okay. The word, the word, did you like that? The word tells us we cannot serve two masters at the same time. Do we have too many masters we're serving that's hindering our journey with Christ? The idea of not serving multiple masters, there's only one. There is the Lord Jesus Christ who rules and reigns over all. Anything that interferes with that specific relationship uh, and we let it in, we've, we're letting it in. Uh, now, do we live busy lives? Do we have stuff going on? Absolutely. Uh, but the idea of, of serving completely and wholly, this is, that's been kind of a theme to so many of these questions today. Uh, if we're serving other masters, Exodus 20 will tell us that we have now created an idol. Mm that is trying to steal and siphon off the glory of the living God uh, that we love and follow. So what's, you know, that's, that's a reality that we all face, whether it's money, whether it's success, whether it's uh, looks, whatever it may be, uh, they're false gods. Where would you say the line is that you step from, doing, you know, life, going to work, paying your bills, taking care of business into these things now are my master. Where's that line? Well, is it Christ sending you to work? Are you working for Christ at work? Are you raising your kids for Christ? Are you uh, dressing for Christ? And uh, are you speaking for Christ this is the way Christ would speak? Uh, that's the way that seeps in. This is the, this is a moment by moment reality to live Christ in them. So, 
that's the focus. What would, you know, what would Jesus do? That's, isn't that quaint? Uh, how would he act? How would he respond? Uh, all of those things is, is there. Uh, if something's uncomfortable, if you, if you feel that work is consuming too much, ask God. If you've got money as the main focus of your life, get, there's, a, there's a time to repent and let God rebuild the foundation, uh, whether it's financial or anything else. He has a plan. Uh, let us help if we can. Okay. Um, would it, I'm going to add on to that. That's probably going to not be a happy thing. Um, w- could we say then, like, if we ever get to that point where we're too busy to read our Bible, too busy to serve, too busy, and I, and I just mean busyness as in whatever we're doing, you know, obviously, the encompassing everything, that clearly Jesus is not our master, Yes. Again, there's time is never the issue. Love and heart is the issue. Uh, I've known some, I know some, some very godly moms in those first couple of months uh, when those little critters come demanding every moment of your life and you can't open a Bible, uh, they'll play worship music. They'll pray with their baby uh, as they're feeding that baby. Uh, There will be a, a... a growing connection with God in the chaos. Yeah. Because it is hard. I mean, people are busy, you know, and I don't think that's the end all be all, but we do have to be very careful because it's, I know for myself in the past, the two things that were the first things to go as my life became increasingly busier was uh, time with God and exercise. And so, you know, it's just like, well, if it's important to you, you'll make the time for it. Because I think sometimes if we take that step back, we would be surprised to see how much we carve out time for other things that we, that we deem are important. So it's, it's just a challenge. It's a challenge. So no, no condemnation. It's just because there are those seasons. But to take that step back yeah. and just evaluate. So, okay, I think we made it. We're at 1130, guys. Woohoo! We good done, job. Yeah. Well, good job. And you know what? I, we, is it? Is anyone? Is anyone still there? Yes. <laughs> I could turn you around and you could see them. <laughs> um, yeah. No, everybody's here. So thank you all for joining us today. Just to let you know, keep the questions coming because what we'll do is we will add them for the next Ask It and or, like I said, address them on a Saturday night because on Saturday evening services. At the end of service, we have a time of question and answers. Um, there's one on here I am specifically saving for the next series because it is related to that series. So um, would you join me in prayer? Lord, thanks again so much for this time. Thanks for the fun of being able to just talk about life and what it means to be a Christian and just all the different things that we get to ask questions and talk about and that your word your truth gives us the answers. Um, Lord, I just pray that when we do have questions that we would absolutely go directly to your word and thank you that you do not leave us on our own to try to figure life out as hard as it is, um, that you walk with us and you show us and that you are there for us. So we thank you again for that, for each person here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, um, thanks again for joining us. Remember next week we start our new series on the Beatitudes.